Welcome to Brain Noodles. This is the Geeks Like Us podcast where some of the psychologists sit around and talk about all the things that are on our brains. I'm your host. I'm Dr. Meg Connell. I'm a psychologist out of Southeast Psych in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I also do uh, teletherapy for Washington and Virginia. And I do... I do a lot of things. I don't feel like listing them off. I do many things, including this podcast, which is awesome. And I have my amazing co-hosts here. Uh, so we're going to start with a person who I haven't seen on Brain Noodles in a little while, Dr. Cohort. Hi, I'm so glad to be back. I am Dr. Rachel Cohort. I am the research director of Take This, which is the first mental health nonprofit organization to work specifically within the gaming industry and the gaming communities. And I am back and I'm very happy to see all of you lovely ladies today and also uh so missing our laugh from our last episode we had missing but now here dr kelly dunlap <laughs> yay i'm so happy to be back uh, my name is dr kelly dunlap i'm a clinical psychologist practicing in maryland i'm also the program manager for take this and i teach game design at american university um so that's just small the small bits and i'm super excited to be back because i miss all your faces <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least we have yay! dr sarah sawyer <laughs> Hello, I'm Dr. Sarah Sawyer. I am the content manager for Take This. I do a couple different uh, streamy thingies for geeks like us, and uh, I do therapy in my spare time in Seattle, Washington. It's so good to see you all. This has been like a little bit over a month since we've all gotten to sit down and see each other and talk yeah. again. So this is wonderful. Facts I mean, happened. I mean, coronavirus happened. A lot's happened. A lot has happened. A lot of conventions have been canceled. Um, it's still happening. I was just at Target and it was awful. Yeah. <laughs> I understand like all the hand sanitizer in all of the United States have has been basically sold out. So like we cannot sanitize our hands now. Nope. Now we they had one case left. I literally could only buy one bottle. That was all they allowed me to buy. And it's not just like for me for fun. It's for my office, for my clients. Wait, how do you use hand sanitizer for fun? Wouldn't you like to know? I would. <laughs> Did anybody else just no, like hear the Breaking Bad music go off in their head <laughs> while they were imagining that? <laughs> down, down. Right? But like, it's not for me to, to appease my own anxiety. It's because I have clients who come through and like, how do I keep my office clean? But I will digress. This is the stress of the of the year I, it's it's a very odd time to be living but uh now were any of you going to south by southwest not this year i wasn't going to know so that didn't really impact me but i am surprised not only that south by southwest was canceled but i read yesterday that the um saint patrick's day parade in dublin was canceled yeah a few of those saint patrick's day parades have been canceled in ireland yes irish are prudent yeah. <laughs> well, and now Italy, I think, is on like half of the countries on quarantine. The entire country. The entire is, country now is yeah. That's the last thing I saw as of last night. Is the entire country has been locked down. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like it's it's not a small thing. It is. It's definitely scary. I got an email earlier today from the university where I teach saying, by the way, because everybody's on spring break right now. Uh, this week is spring break week for American University and most of the colleges in the area. Um, they're like, yeah, so we're extending spring break by another two days, and all classes following that will be online until April 6th. 
So basically wow. they're doing three weeks post spring break. Everything uh, teaching wise is online, which I think is incredibly smart. I was thinking about doing anyway, because uh, you know, American University is a like it's an international school. So people travel from all over the world. Like when people go home on spring break, it's not like they're driving up the street to like Silver Spring, Maryland. You know, they're going to England, they're going to Italy, they're going to China, they're going to Russia, like from all over. And so I'm not surprised that they did it. Um, what I am waiting for is like any kind of guidance on how I'm supposed to teach online because I've never done that before. And if I get no guidance, then guess what? Every Wednesday night for the next three weeks, uh, tune in between 5.30 and 8 p.m. on my Mixer channel because you'll get to see, <laughs> you'll get a master's level class in game design on the psychology of games because I'm not quite sure what else I should do. Oh my gosh. I want to be there for that. Yes. <laughs> well, I guess I should just do it anyway then. Yes. I think that's a yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. Done. See, problem Consensus. solved. <laughs> we solved it. I'm looking at my, I'm now really curious about my undergrad college because uh, one of the distinguished or distinctions of my undergrad, it was the most internationally diverse campus uh, in the country. We had 47% international students. So I, I, they actually have a whole page for uh, COVID-19. And it looks like they haven't suspended anything yet, but there's definitely stress in the air around that, which is really interesting. My daughter's school, I got an email today. She's in elementary school and it said, um, we have spring break next week. And it said, if you're going on a cruise or if you're going to any of these infected areas, you are to self quarantine for two weeks when you come back. Like don't send your kid to school. We don't want to see them. Like, wow. <laughs> all right. Yeah. I mean, there's been discussions, you know, between my, my husband and I of like, well, you know, we have one child and he goes to daycare, but daycare closes if the federal government closes. And so if schools in this area shut down, you know, then the child is going to be home and we're like, okay, well, how do we, you know, how do we balance this? And so I've been having that fun conversation with every single one of my clients of, okay, so just so you know, I want to remind you that we do have telehealth and, you know, if we need to shut down for any reason or you're not feeling well, please don't come into the office and, you know, we can still have our sessions, we can do it online. And yeah, it's always difficult when you're working with an anxious population and want to remind them, oh, by the way, in case we all get infected with, you know, the plague and die, by the way, <laughs> we can talk don't about it online. In. Yeah. <laughs> Here's all the things that we can do. <laughs> I mean, I am well, happy that this is happening, like not COVID-19, but that people are being very proactive and like over, what's the word? Over compensating? Reacting? Over reacting? Yeah, I was going to say, I that doesn't make me very happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know that we're overreacting, honestly, because it's, it, it makes sense to quarantine and to try to cut off and to, you know, control mm -hmm. the things that we can, because like, fortunately, like we do live in this world with lots of technology. And so we can, you know, stream classes from Mixer and, you know, or do teletherapy. Um, you can have groceries delivered. You know, that we, I think there's a lot of poo-pooing that happens around how convenient our culture is in a lot of ways, but also it's really nice because that means when we need to, we can keep that distance to not transmit diseases, hopefully. I just want to like highlight and take a moment to like enshrine the essence of ACT, of ACT that Megan mm -hmm. just did. 
Like I was like, Oh, it's like I'm in therapy. That's right. Control the things we can accept mm-hmm. radical acceptance. It's beautiful. <laughs> Live, breathe, and breathe it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So Rachel, you were gone on skiing lessons with your child. Uh, I've been doing that. Tell us about skiing. Uh, skiing is not fun. Um, so I'm sure it's fun to some people, but for me, I really just dislike the sense of hurling down a mountain and not being able to stop. Um, And I'm sure that I will learn with time, but the first day I was headed towards a group of children. So I purposely fell because I didn't want to knock all the kids over. Um, Falling as a 37 year old woman on skis down a hill, not enjoyable, number one. Number two, made less enjoyable by my daughter laughing as she skied past me on the bunny hill, which legit happened. She was like, <laughs> so that was humiliating. Um, and then I went back for a second lesson, a little bit better that time. Um, and tomorrow I'm going back for a third one. I'm really just forcing myself to push through like frustration tolerance, just forcing it because I feel like I need to learn because my daughter loves it. And she's already like up the ski lift down the actual mountain, whereas I'm still on the bunny hill. And uh, in case of emergency, in case there's like a strange Canadian emergency where I have to get up a hill and downhill ski down, I want to be able to do it. So that's, <laughs> that's how skiing is going. I mean, if any, if any nation, like maybe other than like Switzerland, where that could happen, where your life would depend on your ability to stick your feet onto planks of wood and shove yourself down a mountain... I feel like Canada's it. Like I mean, I agree. Some, yeah, <laughs> I agree. And I just then really I, want to see that happen. The, emer- the emergency? No, but the other oh. part—the part where you have to put on the skis and be like, "Well, I'm doing this." <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what's going to happen tomorrow. So, if you want to come up to Ottawa, you're going to see that tomorrow. Yeah. I think if I have to live stream I'm class, sure. you need to put on a GoPro and live stream your skiing. It's not pretty. Yes. Nobody, no. <laughs> oh Nobody wants it. No one. It's funny because when I do the lessons too, they try to, like, I'm an adult, right? So they're trying to teach me, like, logically, like, do this. And on the second day, I was like, look, I want the five-year-old lesson. Tell me to put my hands on my knees, right? And how to get down the hill like a pizza and a french fry. That is what I need. And that was much more effective than like assuming <laughs> I had a base knowledge. I think, well, they assume I'm Canadian. I'm not. I'm from Texas. I don't know anything about skiing. Um, so that kind of brought it down a notch and helped. <laughs> well, so th- this is uh, a Megan deep dive here. I used to be a ski instructor and I used to race downhill skiing. <laughs> so Rachel, do you, have you ever done squats before? Yes. Okay. Uh, to the basic motion that you need to do in skiing is a squat. So here's the thing about that. <laughs> I'm glad that you brought that up. Um, yes. So on the first day, they kept saying like dig in, which is to stop, right? Which I thought mm-hmm. meant squat. I could do squats all day long, right? But what she really meant was like lean forward. You know how your shin is supposed to touch your boot? Like you're supposed mm-hmm. to be leaning forward. That was never mentioned. So I'm squatting, but not leaning forward. So I think I was just going faster. Yes. Like, I was yes. like, why am I not stopping? I'm <laughs> squatting. This is ridiculous, but it's the leaning. That's- <laughs> yeah. You got to get the, the sides of the ski. Yeah. The- that's, that's a critical point that nobody mentioned to me. Well, and here's, I think the other thing where you might have a little bit of a, a cultural disconnect between you and your instructor. Um, do, do you like do ice skating? No. 
that's the other, like if you do hockey skating, a lot of the motion, motion for hockey skating is similar in skiing. Oh, see, they, they assume I have this knowledge, which I do not. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just going to push through. I'm just going to push through the frustration, persevere, power of will, all that jazz. And just, just learn how to stop. That's really my goal. <laughs> I'm not going to take skiing holidays. I'm not going to, you know, go down to Black Diamond. I just want to be able to go down and stop. Not I'll it. get you down to Black Diamond. Oh, I'm excited. You're going to come see me and teach me how to ski. I love it. We should have a brain noodles holiday. Come to Canada and Megan will teach us all how to ski. See, you know, just when I thought that skiing couldn't sound even less appealing to me, <laughs> having it described as just doing a squat and just holding a squat for an extended period of time, like that actually made it even less appealing. Um, so I'm going to, I'm, I'm yes for the, the holiday vacation in, uh, in, in Canadian land. If while you guys are skiing, I'm in the lodge, like having hot cocoa in front of a fire and like making s'mores. Cause that's about my, I think you sounds- need to be sitting in the outdoor hot tub. So around oh. all the snow. And so you're in the hot tub and just, it's, See, that's a phenomenal experience. Yes. Snow is one of the reasons I don't like skiing. Oh, I like <laughs> snow. No, the hot tub in the snow is though. We're going to make an exception. Mm. <laughs> We're going to, maybe that should be a brain noodles challenge for all of us. We have to try new things. Oh no. I hate change. <laughs> <laughs> All the all the, the psychologists are like, no thanks. No. Change what? <laughs> Pushing my boundaries? G- personal growth? No. <laughs> there, there's a CEU for that somewhere. Learned enough of that. Yep. Not gonna do that on my own. I do that enough for other people. I spend too much time on that topic. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unless we get to like rotate, because then I can bring you guys like out here. We can go to like a dude ranch and like red horses on the open range. And That's kind of like what that. I'm thinking. Yeah, I would do that. I'd be, See? Yeah. I'm in. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, see? I'm in. See, no one's hating horseback rotating. Riding. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, no, okay. we rotate. Yeah. I, lo- I grew up horseback riding. I grew up horseback riding, so that's my jam. Oh, <laughs> what's our Seattle-based also- activity? Mm, I mean, the stereotypical answer is hiking. Oh. It is very good for hiking. But I'm not good at hiking. But also, I chuckle at the name of a popular hiking spot that I could actually do, which is called Poo Poo Point. <laughs> So there's that. We could go to Poo Poo Point and do some hiking. Yes, we'll do a brain noodles from Poo Poo Point. And North Carolina. It's quite a beautiful view from what I hear. Uh, let's just go to microbrews and drink beer. Oh, you got the best one. <laughs> barcades. Do the barcades. Yeah. Well, and uh, so to bring back to like some of our segments here, um, what games is everybody playing? Or is, are you all getting to play games? Like... Um, we were at PAX East and I did not actually play it, but I watched other people play a very interesting game called Boyfriend Dungeon. Sarah was there. You get your boyfriend is a weapon and you get to level him up uh, in the dungeon. And then he also transforms into a hunky boyfriend, which it, it Kit Fox games. It looked pretty awesome. Like, I, I don't know if I'm selling it well, but it actually legitimately looked awesome. No, no. Okay, so here's what I'm thinking with that. That needs to be what happens with Dawn and Gragnold. There you go. There you go. Yes, we can boyfriend dungeon the sword he just bought. For those who don't watch Clinical Her is good, so you can get that. I love it. Yes, we should. So the other thing about boyfriend dungeon, because I was like, oh, another straight game. 
at least they made it for girls this time. And then I looked and they have like, not just even humans, but they have like girlfriends, mm-hmm. queer mm-hmm. friends, the gender neutral trans character weapons. That's really hard to describe. <laughs> like there's a cat. You don't have to do a human. So, I mean, there's so many options and it's really queer friendly and like racially inclusive and diverse. And it's, it's a really fun yeah. game and I love everything yeah. about it and I can't wait to I play know. it. When does that come out? Good stuff. I don't know. Mm, good can question. Google it. Google knows. <laughs> and in the meantime, speaking of things that happened at PAX, we, uh, we well, so the Gamer Doc um, put on a panel with Rachel on it and I finally got to meet her. And uh, she had never played Stardew Valley. What? And I have now also remembered the glory that is Stardew Valley. She so, had never played Stardew Valley. And then when she heard about it in the panel, because yeah. I couldn't stop gushing about it, she has not stopped playing it since. <laughs> she sends me text messages of her, like, pictures of her still playing it. Like, she just can't get enough of it. So that's exciting. That's awesome. <laughs> Kelly, did you ever get far in Stardew or did you give up? Mm-hmm. No, no, I think I'm still like day four, day five. Oh, wow. I had, a, I had a friend start a farm with me to like try and help me through it. <laughs> it's just, I, 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 I fully respect everyone. Like I can see the appeal. I understand it. It's kind of like, it's like fine art where I don't care about it. Like, okay, that's fine. It's pretty. And I, but I get that it has value and meaning to other people. And I'm really, really happy for them to have that experience. I just, I think going to an art gallery is not something that I choose to do. Um, and so sometimes like if I've got nothing else, maybe I'll load it up and like wander around in a circle for a bit, but no, I never, never really progressed. Just couldn't, you know, I think, I think if Shane had just taken the time and not ditched me, maybe, maybe I would have been a little bit more into it, but Shane. No. Oh, Shane. How about Harvey? I don't even know who that is. Hmm. I don't live that Harvey life, man. Uh, it's the oh, doctor man. who likes wine and cheese. How is he not everybody's Whoa. choice? Abigail. Wah, wah, basic. <laughs> no, <laughs> Leah. But thank you. I'll take the purple haired lady compliment. Yes. Thank you. But Leah. <laughs> Leah is life. I mean, <laughs> Abigail's dad's the wizard. So there's a wizard? Yeah. yeah. It's a really cool game. Spoiler alert. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Not that it's a new game. Sorry, Kelly. Yeah. I mean, people were complaining that Les Mis was spoiled when it came out in theaters. And I'm like, honey, that's like over 100 years old. So yeah. Statue of Limitations that ran out. But no, the past uh, past couple weeks here, there's been like rotating sickness between husband, me, and child. Um, So that's been fun. And then I... I mean, for, for the clinicians out there, this will, this will, you know, really only apply to you guys, but I started working at the place where I'm currently doing therapy on February 1st. And as of like the 1st of March, I already have 22 clients on my caseload. That's amazing. So I'm tired and <laughs> I'm very busy and there's so many treatment plans, you guys. So I think that's really kind of taken over a lot of stuff is like figuring out my, my weekends are gone. They're just gone six hours on Saturday hours on Sundays. It's, it's been really, really intense. Um, but hopefully settling down now that I'm like, okay, I'm done. I don't want any more new people. Like just let me get caught up with, with where I am. And, um, yeah. So I've gotten to talk about people fatigue. It's real. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've gotten to talk about games though. 
like I, I had a, I got to talk about D and D with a, a client recently. Um, he was really into that and gotten to use it as like a way to worm my way into like good rapport. So we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll see what happens. And yeah, so nothing, nothing played on, on my end. Unfortunately, I, I wish, I wish I had, but I've either been too tired or too sick. <laughs> How about you, Sarah? Are you still, what oh. do you make? <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm interrupting today, guys. It's all my right. No, Sarah, are you playing anything new or? Sturdy Valley. I picked up, I started a new game because as I'm sure many ADHD folk will, will agree with me when I get behind in a game, my uh, immediate reaction is to halt, absolutely destroy it and start over. So I have started over and I'm on a journey on a new farm and that's very fun. Otherwise, no new games. Nice. I've been playing an old game, but I'm getting to rediscover it, which is Majesty 2. Uh, I got very excited. There's a YouTuber I like called uh, The Spiffing Brit where he talks about exploits and he showed an exploit in Majesty 2. And I'm like, I love that game. I'm going to go play that again. And I'm going to try this exploit. And the exploit works and it's so fun and it's so silly. <laughs> so, Aww. There's something really magical about when you do those exploits. Like when I was more deeply into the Halo scene, a, a good friend of mine would do speed runs of Halo. Mm -hmm. And then they would do like, you know, the things where you clip in and so you can like bypass entire sections of games. And, you know, it's not always, sometimes it's really hard. Sometimes it's really easy, but when you do it, you feel like I am a God, you know, yeah. it's like that first time you, you write a line of code and it spits out hello world and like, yes, I am I a genius. A <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's really fun to just to see all that and to rediscover that. I got, uh, I have a, a, a landmark birthday coming up. And so my family got me a gaming computer. Uh, specifically for that so i'm very excited oh yay awesome. happy early birthday yeah thank you <laughs> yay happy birthday. i'm excited i'm excited that i'm gaming and i'm trying to i'm actually actively trying to cut back on a lot of things so i can actually sit down and play games and have a lot of fun with that so we'll see how that goes all right well we will take a quick break and when we come back we will talk about our main topic discussion do you like Dungeons & Dragons streams? Who doesn't? Come check out Geeks Like Us Clinical Role, Mondays from 9 to 12 EST. Whereas his Dr. Megan, Canel takes her psychologist friends through the Underdark into... Pirates? Ah! Oh, I want to be a pirate! Ah, oh, get my sword. Pew, pew, pew. Have a good time. Anyway, Clinical Role, Mondays, 9 to midnight, on the Geeks Like Us Twitch channel. Pew, pew. All right, and we're back. And so kind of um, pulling off of the topic we were talking about earlier with uh, COVID-19 or coronavirus and thinking about how games change how we see the world. Um, I'll tell the story really quickly of how this topic came up for me. I was sitting at lunch at uh, work and some people were talking about how they weren't really freaked out about the coronavirus. They didn't think it was a big deal because it's not super deadly. And it's more of like, this is just an inconvenience. So why do we really care? And I was like, kind of looked up, I was like, well, because it can mutate and get a lot worse. And they're kind of looking at me, I'm like, have you ever played Plague Inc? Like, this is kind of the point of that game is like, you know, you get your disease to be incredibly infectious or infectious. And then after, you know, everybody's infected with it, you then make it deadly. Um, and it was just really interesting to think about how this really kind of simple, stupid game has in a very fundamental way changed how I understand 
you know, contagions and viruses and, you know, the importance of quarantining and sanitizing and not getting these things. And I was curious on games that you all have played that have changed how you view the world and your experience of the world. I was thinking a lot about resource management games. Um, so games like Banished, games like um, Black and White, um, even Civilization to a certain extent. I think that I played a lot of these games, um, at least Black and White for sure, at a time when I, I was like cognitively developing in a sense to understand like more about the bigger picture and the world around me. And I think these kinds of games to me really gave me a sense of how everything is like interconnected and things aren't really chosen frivolously, even if like city management, like SimCity, where do you put the roads? Oh, look, there's not enough roads here. Oh, look, there's traffic jams. Oh, look, there's not enough police stations. Um, I really think that those kind of games opened my awareness in a way that other games haven't. Um, I also failed a lot at those games before I succeeded. So maybe that was like successful learning strategies. Um, but for me, those are the first ones that I that came to mind. So what was it about the resource management piece that you think really kind of stuck with you and helped kind of change like how you see the world and interact with the world? I think it's about how um, how interconnected everything is. So if you spend your money to do one thing, oh, you don't have money to do this other thing. And for me, it's like, oh, well, I really want to build the big silos and it's like oh look now all these people are dying because you can't give them health care because you stored up all this grain but you didn't put any money into like medicine um so yeah so i just think for me it was more about taking a step back and looking at the big picture and like how every action has a consequence even if it's unintended um and how things that maybe initially don't seem interconnected really are and it's all part of the big picture and that they're not just individual units that makes sense and also civilization i think is a really good one because it taught me a lot about the wonders of the world yeah <laughs> civ is another one i had down on my list is yeah. it it was very weird because like i didn't play civilization until i was an adult i was in the army I started playing it and like it actually changed how i thought and understood about global politics yeah yeah and how placating others sometimes even if you don't want to to achieve larger goals and yeah Civ is a good one it's a great one yeah yeah my turn you too i guess i can i can go next I, it feels kind of small um i guess in comparison but i always think about uh, there's a game called the visit which is a browser-based game and i make all of my students play it and um it's oh god i don't want to spoil it because that like the whole the whole impact of the game is the surprise, but it, it's basically a it's a game designed to challenge your perceptions on how things are designed. Um, so specifically in video games, so you know we look at something like a, a Mario, and we all instinctively didn't know to go right, and when something comes at it, we instinctively—that's probably not the right word—but instinctively know to jump, or you know we see things like spikes and we know to avoid it without ever having to like fail by falling on them. And you know, if something has a question mark on it, we're going to hit it. And there's all this this visual language that we take for granted a lot in design, especially in games. And the the visit is kind of deconstructs that. It kind of deconstructs what it is to be a game and take what we think we know and what we just kind of tacitly accept, and then make you be a little bit more reflective and thoughtful about, oh, well, what does that actually 
what does it actually mean to, to curve stop a Koopa Troopa? You know, like it, so again, not like anything in the grand wide scheme of like changing perception of the world, but I think it, it you could speak to, or rather it could speak to something like there's a, so many scripts that we just function on automatically um, and that we don't think necessarily think about them or what we're doing because that's just, it's so habitual at this point that we just expect to do it and that we think that's expected of us. But if we do something that we think is normal and we get an abnormal reaction, there's this moment for um, like, oh, whoa, wait a minute, for reflection, for understanding, stuff like that. Oh, that's cool. No, I like that. I like that idea of like games who can kind of flip on, flip our perceptions and kind of go, let me think about this in a different way. There's another one that if you want a mildly traumatic experience, you can, it's called uh, Can My Pet, C-A-N. Oh God, I've seen that game. (laughs) And that is another one where it, it's subversive. I think that's the, the games scholar jargon for it. It's a subversive game that makes you really think about what it is that you're doing and what we typically do. And so I won't say more. Cause again, these are ones where if you kind of say what it is, not even necessarily spoiling it, but it does, it takes away from the power of the experience. So I'll just, yeah, the visit, uh, and can my pet. How about for you, Sarah? <laughs> Okay, I was like, "Eh." I'm too interrupty today. I'm going to wait. So I looked at this a bit different. Um, I feel like one of my favorite parts of this podcast is always that we all have different ways we answer questions. And that's like its own psychological microcosm experiment by itself. And I love it. Uh, (laughs) But I was thinking about Mafia 3. Um, And Mafia 3 gives the player an opportunity to understand a little bit, just a flavor of what it is um, to experience racism. And not that I'm unfamiliar in its entirety with oppression or anything like that, but it sets you in, I forget which year it is now that I say it. Um, I had it written down earlier and I was like, no, I'm going to remember that. Um, uh, When was it in time? It was... And now when I look up time, they're like, it's a hundred and blah, blah hours long. <laughs> it's like, no, that's not what I'm looking for. So it's, it's set in 1968 in New Orleans. That's where it is. So uh, you play a, a Puerto Rican guy who is in New Orleans named Clay. And uh, you just, you go around doing normal things like stealing cars and uh, breaking into places and stealing out of their <laughs> cash registers. Uh, no, but you, you're conducting yourself like a normal human amongst the community and you'll hear people say things under their breath about you. You'll walk into a place and have this very distinct sense that you are not welcome. Their body language changes, their choices change, their, their behaviors change. The things they say change. They'll quiet down. They'll get out of your way. Police start following you around, not because you're doing anything wrong, although the likelihood is because of what's going on and that it's a mafia game. You're going to eventually do things wrong, but uh, you're you're just a brown person on the street. And not to say that I now fully and totally understand what it is to be a brown or black person, but it's just a wonderful way to get a sample 
of the experience of another person, especially if you are not familiar with that type of oppression. Um, and so I think it's a great way to really challenge the lenses that we've grown up with or that we've had or that, you know, if we're not aware of that time period, if we're not aware, they've, they've done a lot of work around that game to really make it an immersive experience in a way that is distinctly uncomfortable on purpose. Um, so that's the one that I was thinking about. Oh, that's really cool. I want to play all these games now. I need to, we'll put them all at list of them in the show notes for everybody. And I'm putting that together for <laughs> our lovely, lovely producer, Wandering Shrink. She's amazing. Oh, hey. Yeah, that's, oh, that's cool. cool. And as actually too, as you all were talking, another game that kind of popped in my head, like, um, public transportation of, and, and I want to pull the room and just see like, if this is a just me thing. Uh, when driving and running into like lots of red lights and traffic, do any of you like ever think like I could do this better? Well, yeah, I could design these streets better, or I could do something better. Yeah, uh, I live in Seattle. <laughs> overwhelmingly, yes. So, if you have not played City Skylines, I recommend that game so much. It is so much fun. It's so beautiful, and you are always pulling your hair out trying to solve the traffic problems. Uh, I have learned traffic circles are the best thing ever and need to be used pretty much everywhere. Um, but it, it's just, it's such an interesting game. Cause like, I, I like the idea too, of trying to solve the problem of like, can we build a sustainable community? So can there be a community where you have the schools and the shops walkable to homes, but also walkable to, you know, places where people can work and the farmlands be close to sort of city center type places and have this all work without too much pollution because there's you have meters in it that measure your pollution that measure your overall happiness of the people the health of the people um and so it's a really cool way and it really does i think change the way you think about cities and understanding traffic's problems and all of that stuff so it's a really fun game um and just beautiful it's another one i'm looking forward to it's one, though, that you got to sit down for like three hours to play. <laughs> yeah, when I think about changing traffic patterns, I'm mostly just thinking about for myself. Um, it's more like, why can't I have one of those magic zappers that changes the light to green anytime I get close to it? Um, or possibly have a bulldozer attachment to the front of my car so that people who are going 10 under uh, get out of my way. But that's that. Pro so I hear city skylines. I think I'm probably more of like a crazy taxi <laughs> type of person. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, yeah, cool. <laughs> I, was, I was just gonna say in city skylines too another thing you can get is um for a lot of the major cities people have taken time to painstakingly build the cities like on the actual landscape that they're on with the roads that they exist and then it's sort of the challenge of like okay fix london's traffic problem flying cars yeah <laughs> teleporters <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i like that kelly says teleporter um, speaking of transportation and cars, uh, Neocab is another one that could really challenge narratives or like viewpoint. Um, it's a switch game and it's pretty short ish. It's a few hours and that's about it. Um, but you, all of the game is controlled by your narrative response choices and you are a cab driver in a city where electric cars are taking over self-driving cars. Um, so you are kind of like stigmatized as being old school and people don't know how they feel about taking cabs so it's this whole thing but you're there because your best friend needs your help and she's really evasive and not giving you a lot of answers so it's a curious game but i won't spoil it that's cool 
Well, awesome. I think these are some really fun games. I would definitely want to check them all out too, but we will do that. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we will talk about the things we are noodling on. Are you looking for a book to talk to children about girls? Do you want to see little ladies solving their own problems? Buy Pragmatic Princess today on Amazon by Dr. Rachel Covert. Megan's looking at me like it's time. So welcome back. All right, so this is the part of our show where we talk about the things that have been just floating around in our heads for the last few weeks. Uh, Rachel, we haven't seen you in a while. I know. What has your brain been noodling on? What's been going on? So many things. Um, I mean, a lot of it has been just overtaken by the anxiety of learning how to ski. Um, But what have I been noodling on? I don't know. Just getting back into the groove. I've been doing a lot of stuff with uh, Pragmatic Princess. People know I published a book late last year. It's a collection of short stories. Um, And I've been talking to a lot of people about getting that kind of in a bigger distribution. And it turns out that people don't like to publish short stories. Isn't that weird? It's like a consensus, like, oh, short story collections are like a no. Um, People just want like individual, like one-off, like paperback type books. So I've been noodling a lot on how to kind of expand what I've created with um, Pragmatic Princess in a way that's more, you know, marketable, sellable, isn't like a four pound book that can double as a weapon, you know, something a little more Bernstein Bear-like paperback you know costs eight dollars kind of situation um yeah that's really where i've been oh and potty training with my son which is a whole other thing oh that's always fun oh it's a whole other thing boys and girls are very different that is not a stereotype it is so true (laughs) as you probably know megan yes (laughs) yes yes how about you kelly what has your brain been noodling on recently as always, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, but the the mention about potty training really <laughs> was like, you know what, that's that's gonna rise this to the to the this goes to the front. It was tied, but now now we're going for it. So not directly with potty training, but with my my son who is three and a half. Um, he woke up to me the other day and kind of like cuddled in the bed next to me and rolled over, as being very sweet, and so I'm instantly suspicious. And he goes, "Mommy, why is my baby sister not in your tummy yet?" <laughs> Oh, um, wait, what? So he's decided that he wants a baby sister for his birthday, which is in July. <laughs> uh, um, and that, um, so, you know, we, we've talked about, you know, what it would be like to have a sister because all of his friends in daycare have at least one sibling. His best friends are a set of twins. So like everybody he knows, even all of his cousins, everybody he knows has a brother and a sister except for him. So I'm like, okay, so it makes sense. And so I'm in the car, we're driving around. And then he started asking mommy, where do babies come from? <laughs> My three and a half year old wants to know about where babies come from. And so I'm like, well, they, they come from a, a mommy's tummy. Oh, well, how do they get in there? Um, well, mommies uh, have, we you know how little boys and little girls have different parts. <laughs> and so I go into this. And so I talk about, and this is also funny because we call his, his penis, his noodle. <laughs> oh no. Let's <laughs> have... Boys have noodles, you know, girls have different parts, you know, uh, you have a noodle. Mommy doesn't have a noodle. Mommy has a uterus and inside mommy's uterus are, are little tiny, tiny, tiny eggs. And that's where babies come from. Well, where are the eggs? Well, they're in a, a little, they're like a bag and the bag is called an ovary. How do they get out of the bag? I'm like, oh God, I don't even know that. Uh, you know, they just kind of like, 
they come out every now and then. <laughs> and if mommy and daddy want a baby, then the egg, you know, like hugs the uterus and the baby grows inside mommy's tummy. Well, what does daddy do? And I was like, okay, that's it. I'm done. I try. He helps. I, I he he <laughs> helps. The next question would be, but how? Yeah. So I was like, well, mommy and daddy have to love each other very, very much. <laughs> and so that was my, um, that's what I've been thinking about. One, as like a parent, I was not expecting that at three. You know, I thought I had a little, a little more time. Um, or at least I thought that in the tummy thing. Oh, because that's the other thing. How does the baby get out of the tummy? <laughs> Can we have to talk about how girls and boys have different parts and, you know, there's a part that girls have that's special just for releasing the baby into the <laughs> universe. So yeah, I've been thinking like, did I do the right thing? You know, is that too much? Was it like not enough? Cause it wasn't truthful. And I, I think I've landed on, I think that was a very good parenting thing. I think I hit like, <laughs> if not the bullseye, pretty, pretty close to the bullseye. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm waiting for daycare to call goat. So your son is talking about eggs and ovaries and uteruses. Do you know what's going on? <laughs> and his noodle? <laughs> no. Nope. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. All right. How about you, Sarah? <laughs> oh man. I do not envy those experiences. <laughs> um, I've been noodling on getting set up for, um, like more professionality online as far as like streaming and stuff. I was a guest on a podcast recording last night um, that I'll announce later. Uh, tomorrow I'm going to be on the Gamer Docs stream um, and generally just like anticipating my face being on the internet. And so I, you guys can see, not everybody can see. I have a new camera and a ring light. And I'm working on hardwiring my connection to the internet, which takes dongles because Apple needs dongles for everything. Um, so I'm trying to figure out like how to do that. And also because uh, Seattle is like ground one because California is technically ground zero in the United States, but uh, we're ground one for coronavirus. And I, even after sending out an email to my clients of like, please do not come in if you have a a sniffle, if you are feeling sick, if you have any sick symptoms, even if you're just feeling a little feverish, don't show up. I am like work. I don't want you here. I will meet with you virtually through a HIPAA compliant teletherapy app and we'll make arrangements and I have contracts all ready to go. Here they are. I've attached them. After that big email, I've, I've had three people come through in two days who have colds. Oh, jeez. So pretty soon I'm going to have to just be like, you know what? Everybody teletherapy for the next three weeks. And so if I'm doing that, I have to be able to provide consistent and stable therapy services virtually. So making people see my face in a nice way. <laughs> Hooray. That's always hard. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, knocking over. See, I still need to figure out how to get this microphone up higher than what I've got it right now. And it's. You got a snowball? Challenging, guys. Yeah, I do. I have the Yeti snowball. I can Pert tell. Fancy. I can tell. It is very fancy. Um, if you need help, let me know. Either on the having your I face will. out in the world, because you're pretty good at it. I've, I've lived with, <laughs> yeah. I've managed, and it's become kind of awkward now um, because, like, I have clients and I hadn't had clients for the past five years or so, mm -hmm. so it was never a concern. And now I'm like, ooh, oh wow, there's that, there's that picture of me at the Halo Championship in 2013. <laughs> like, that's 
that's a lot of my life out there that I never really thought about. So we can trade Uh, these because you can teach me about how to do this and I can show you my contracts that have clauses about that. (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. Look forward to that. Yeah. Very cool. And how, how about, about you, Megan? Megan? Uh, mostly noodling on scheduling. I think we're going to have to do our follow-up on planners and organizing here soon because I it's not going as well as hoped for me. Um, I'm so glad to yeah. hear you say that because I've been carrying around <laughs> so much planner shame. <laughs> like, uh, no, it's... I just don't know. Like, there's so much I want to do and so much that I'm doing and I'm trying to figure out how to balance it and it's just... I don't know. I got to figure it out. Um, so yeah, trying to balance all that and figure out the priorities and the energies and all of that. But I don't know. Well, I feel you. Yeah. <laughs> Even though Rachel's over there shaking her head like, oh, you're not memes. using your planners. I'm using it. It's okay. just not working. It's not creating more hours in the day. No, um, that's true. That seems to be more of the issue. I didn't know that was the goal. And it also is not making it so things like doing my taxes are fun. Um, Oh, that. So, yeah. That's not what it's there for. No, it's not. But those are kind of the issues I'm having. But I understand. We're here for you, Megan. Thank you. We'll we'll do that follow up here soon. But anyway, thank you all. And we will see you around soon. Yeah. Thank you. Good to to see all your faces. Brain Noodles is a production of Geeks Like Us. Your hosts for this podcast are doctors Megan Connell, Kelly Dunlap, Rachel Cowart, and Sarah Sawyer. Music for this podcast is The Life of Riley by Kevin McLeod. Audio edited, mixed, and mashed by Amelia Herbst. Follow Geeks Like Us on Twitter at G33KS, like us, that's at G33KSLIKEUS. Until next time, keep noodling.